the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Coming up next on Way of Grace with Jessica Stan. God doesn't call everybody near to him. Not everybody knows God. Most people don't want to know God. But the true and the living God is only going to be known by you hearing his voice and him calling you near and you come Here in Philippians chapter 2, we have an amazing view of Christ humbling himself. And it is that humbling that we will focus our attention on this week here on Way of Grace with Pastor Jessica Stan from Grace Bible Church in Hayward. We invite you to join us here in Philippians chapter 2 as we take a look at his reputation that he laid aside, the humiliation that he picked up, and the propitiation that was born out of both of those. With today's broadcast of Way of Grace, here's Pastor Jessica Stan. Jeremiah 23, 24, and this is for you to know how to defend God's incommunicable attributes. Look at what it says. Notice what it says. Jeremiah 23, 24. Are you there? Can any hide himself in secret places that I should not see him? Woo! God is bad, isn't he? You can run, but you can't hide. God sees it all. I agree with that, don't you? Here it is. Do not I feel heaven and earth? Do you see it? That's why David said in Psalm 139, if I go to hell, you're there. If I make my heights in heaven, you're there too. God, you are before me and you are after me. There's no place where I can go where you are not. We call that omnipresent. Did Christ own that for himself? The gospel of John. He lays it out as he's dealing with Nicodemus in chapter three. I am the son of God who both am on earth and am in heaven. Christ is everywhere present. But what we are dealing with as we are affirming his divine attributes that cannot be shared is how it is that he takes up a position where everybody in the world knows Jesus merely as a man. That becomes the quagmire. That becomes the challenge. That becomes the difficulty for you and I to tell men and women that Jesus is God while at the same time being able to affirm that he's man. Is that right? And that's really where we are in our text. And what Philippians chapter 2 does is gives you a reason for which you and I can give an answer to that. Go back with me to Philippians 2 now and let's look at verse 6 a little bit more carefully before we work through 7 and 8 and close for today. Under point number one, we say that Jesus is, that is he possesses eternality, past, present, and future. Therefore, Jesus was never Jesus was or Jesus will be. Jesus what? That is a stated verb that does not have any boundaries on it. Whenever you use the word is, you are stating a present tense. Y'all got that? 
Like the Bible says, he that cometh unto God must believe that he is. Not that he was, not that he will be, that he is. This here is what we call imminence as well. Not only does God have eternal existence, future existence, but he dwells presently in his full orb glory presently. We believe him to be a very present help in time of trouble. Is that right? God is. Heard it some, somewhat this morning by Stephen as he intentionally mangled the verb form. Before Abraham was, I is. <laughs> I understood what he was saying. Jesus several times by the Jews, was about to be stoned for declaring his eternality. Now, if you say before Abraham was, I is, call John George, because you got issues. Do you understand? There was a time when you was not is, was not was. And there will be a time when you will not be. That's because you're a creature. But Jesus and the Father and the Holy Ghost are the one true and living God who is from eternity to eternity. They never change. Our text says, though he existed in the form of God, the word that I want you to deal with now is the form of God. And again, Paul writes as if he asserts that the Philippians know, and they do, but you and I should know too. One of the mistakes that we can make is to take ancient biblical terms, whether Hebrew or Greek and some Aramaic, and actually translate them into New Testament conventional definitions. That can be a huge mistake. Like, for example, you can take the word form and you will take on the idea of a kind of superficial shape, like an external similitude that doesn't take into consideration the internal contents. So when we talk about the form of something, we can actually take a piece of paper and write the form of a body on it. Is that right? And they will go, oh, that's the form of a body. But in Greek grammar or in first century thinking, form actually meant substance. It meant everything that that particular thing is. For instance, in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, do you guys remember what the Bible says about how God created Adam? God formed Adam out of the what? dust of the ground. And then he did what? Breathed into his nostrils. What? The breath of life. And Adam became a what? Do you guys remember that? Do y'all remember that? You mark it, Genesis 2, 7. And the Lord God did what to the man? Formed him. That means he made him with all of the essence, all of the subsistence, all of the predications, all of the qualities, all of the attributes of a total and full man. Y'all got that? If that logic is true for Adam in Genesis 2, 7, that God made the first man in all of the full orb attributes of humanity, is it not also true that Jesus bears all of the full orbed attributes and qualities of God? And this is why he said in John chapter 5, verse 38, pull it up, John 5, 38, to the rulers of his day. He said, you guys, I'm going to start at verse 36. He said, you guys got a problem. And here's the problem. Y'all got a Bible and y'all tout to everybody in the world that you know Jehovah, that you know Yahweh. But Yahweh sent me and I am the very representation of Yahweh. I bear all of the visible qualities of Yahweh. I bear all of the attributes, all of the predications, all of the qualities and characteristics of God. And you don't see me 
for who I am, how can you say you know God? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Why? Because the Son bears all of the attributes that constitutes what we know about God in his own essence. He is what we call the revelation of the invisible God. Is that right? So I can only know God through Christ. So now when the scripture says, but I have a greater witness than this, than that of John the Baptist for the works which the father has given me to finish the same works that I do bear witness of me that the father has what? What Jesus was saying to the Jews is if you believe that God raises the dead, I raised the dead. If you believe that God upholds the universe, I uphold the universe. If you believe that God can take something and make something out of nothing, I do that. If you believe that God can heal the sick, I, I heal the sick. If you believe that God can change water into wine, I did that. He showed himself bearing the attributes of God all through his ministry. Is that right? If you don't believe me for me, believe me for the word's sake. See, mankind is in trouble when they bump up against the facts of the word of God concerning what Christ did. Do you see it? But now watch this. Verse 37. And the father himself, which has sent me, has borne witness of me. And ye neither have heard his what? Stop right there. I'm going to get you now. You're going to get in trouble right here. To know him in his characteristics and his attributes first requires you hearing his voice. For you to say you know God but don't know God's word, you are a liar. You must hear the voice of God. Faith comes by what? And hearing by what? So God has to speak before you begin to know him for out of the abundance of the heart does the mouth what? How can you know somebody that's not talking to you? And that's why God talks because he wants you to know him. God's the God that's been texting you before texting was in created. You got a text in your hand. God been texting you for the longest. Hey, holla at me, boy. Holla at me. Because God wants you to know him. And what Christ said was, you got a text, but you don't even open your text. God's been hollering at you since the beginning. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. God's been talking for a long time, and we haven't been opening up those texts. God's hollering at you. When you don't open the text, you can't tell people you know God, because you haven't heard his voice. Until you hear his voice, you can't understand his shape. Isn't that what our text says, shape? That's our Greek word, morphe, it should be form. It's in some of your translations as form. What is Jesus saying to the people to whom he's talking? If you don't see me as the revelation of the invisible God, you don't know God's form. Y'all got that? If you don't see who I am, I am the only precise and accurate representation of God there is. I am the son of God. I made you. I created you. I'm here to represent the invisible God by the visible attributes of God in my own person. And if you don't see them in me, you don't know God. Isn't that what Christ condemned Jews, the Jews about? They didn't know. They didn't know him because his word didn't abide in them. You neither heard his voice nor have seen his shape. That's our word morphe. Same word in our text. So when Paul says, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Christ was clear on who he was. I want to give you two more verses to affirm this. Exodus 24, verse 10. I shared this with our guys last night as we were dealing with the privilege of being people to whom God calls near. God doesn't call everybody near to him. 
Not everybody knows God. Most people don't want to know God. But the true and the living God is only going to be known by you hearing his voice and him calling you near and you coming. We have an account of this with the elders, with Moses, as God is calling Moses up to the mount to give him the Ten Commandments. Notice what the text says. Start back at verse eight, if you will. I want everybody to get this. And Moses took the blood and sprinkled it on the people and said, behold, the blood of the covenant which the Lord hath made with you concerning these words. Verse nine. Then went up Moses and Aaron and Nadab and Abihu and the 70 elders of Israel. For you guys who were in class last night, Nadab and Abihu saw an aspect of the shape and form of God and still went to hell, didn't they? You guys remember that? I want you to watch what's about to take place here because they go up into the mount. They go up into the mount. We have talked about in our class the visible Yahweh representing the invisible Yahweh. Who is the visible Yahweh? Jesus. Right. And we see him in the Old Testament and the new. We are very clear that he comes and the volume of the book is written of him. We are we are without doubt that the Bible makes it very clear that he is very God of very God. Now, notice what it says in verse 10. And they saw the God of Israel. They had a special visitation with God. He had called them up to the Mount. Elders have that privilege to draw near to God. I want you to watch what it says. And there was, as it were, under his what? Stay with me now. We're dealing with what is called anthropomorphisms because God in his ontological nature doesn't have a body. Is that right? But Christ does because he is the visible Yahweh from eternity past to eternity future. He's always the mediation between the invisible God and his creatures and in his love for us. When God said in Genesis 1:26, let us make man in our image and in our likeness. Guess who that image and likeness was? Jesus Right? Jesus. And it's Jesus who is communicating with us every day of our lives, trying to draw us near to him because no man can come unto the father but by him. These brothers are in a hearing, a forum with God. But at this point, their position is that they are looking at his feet. I don't care if I'm looking at your toes, God. I want to see your toes. I don't care if I'm under your feet a thousand miles under. I want to see the bottom of your feet. Maybe one day I can see your face. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? Watch it now. And there was under his feet, as it were, a paved work of sapphire stone. Now, that's the language you hear with all of the prophets dealing with the celestial glory of God. Sapphire stone and jasper, all that's in the book of Revelation. These are attributes of God that underscore his beauty and his splendor. Is that right? His beauty and his splendor. They are in the presence of beauty and splendor. They are seeing God in the magnificence of who Jesus is. Only they're looking at his feet. Look at it. And as it were, the body of heaven in its clearness. Moses is trying to describe for us how translucent God is when he showed up in the person of Christ to talk to these elders. Now, we've seen that in Christ, have we not, on the Mount of Transfiguration, right? Did he not shine through in the effulgence of his beauty and his face shine above that of the splendor of the sun? Did we not see him that way in the book of Revelation? John said, I turned to see the voice that spake with me. And when I turned, I saw one who was clothed from his chest down to his feet with paps and girdles. And he was splendid in his glory, fire in his eyes. His feet like brass, emanating in the perfections of his deity, only he was a man. 
this man we call the God man, Jesus Christ. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? This is why your Bible lays it out the way that it does to help you understand what we say that Jesus is God. We're not just coming off the top of our head. We got Bible to show you. And men now have to reckon with the revelation of God's word. Either he is who he says he is or he is not. And it's this beautiful, splendid being that has revealed himself from time to time all throughout the scriptures. One more verse, verse 11, I think. And upon the nobles of the children of Israel, he laid not his hand. They also saw God and did eat and drink. Do you see that language? Mark it down. Let me help you. God was so pleased to have Moses near and the elders to be in his presence. He calls it fellowship. To eat and drink is the fellowship with God. To fellowship with God is to know God. And this is eternal life, that they might know you, the one true God in Jesus Christ whom he has sent. God doesn't draw you near if he doesn't want you to fellowship with him. And our fellowship is truly with the Father and with his son, Jesus Christ. And the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. You know what that means? God wants his people in his presence. So there's blood provided to wash you, to keep you there so you can fellowship with God. Eternal life is communion and fellowship with God. Are y'all hearing me? Raise your hand if y'all hearing me. It's important to know. It's important to know. Now I want to show you something absolutely magnificent. As we begin to turn the page under point number one, three sub points, they're clearly laid out. You heard them a present and eternal fact. Christ being the form of God personified is a present and eternal fact. Do you agree with that? He was not a mere show. Do you agree with that? He wasn't a phantom. He wasn't an image. He wasn't an angel. He is very God, a very God having assumed now a human nature. I'll deal with that more fully next week, but I want you to see how this unpacks. The uh, third sub point, fourth sub point says he possessed the essential qualities of what? He possessed the essential qualities of what? Now here is the verse that has been confessed by the church for ages. First Timothy 3.16. Y'all need to learn it by heart. Here it is. First Timothy 3.16. And without controversy, great is the mystery of what? God was manifest in the flesh. Who are we talking about? Jesus. John 1, 14, don't go there. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and true. Was the word made flesh? This is where we are in our text. This is a song unpacking the infinite God taking on finiteness, in the assumption of a human nature, which is an amazing concept. Notice what it says. Without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. Now, this godliness concept of Christ has been argued controversially for almost 2,000 years, right? Would y'all agree with that? But it shouldn't be a controversy for you. If you know him as you ought to know him, you ought to be able to say with Peter, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Do you guys understand that? No controversy with me. He is the son of the living God. He was justified in the spirit that is raised from the dead, seen of the angels, preached unto the Gentiles. How do I know that? Because I'm a Gentile. 
Somebody preached the glorious gospel of the person of Jesus Christ to me 40 years ago, and the Holy Ghost opened my heart. He opened my eyes. He opened my mind, and I saw Jesus in all the splendor and beauty of who he was as my Savior. Never saw him before. Never saw him before because the gospel was never preached in power to me. One day, somebody opened that book and preached Christ from the scriptures, and my heart saw him. My heart saw him. My heart saw him for who he really is. You know, I heard it from everybody else, but it's one thing to hear it for yourself. It's one thing for you to hear the voice and then to see the face on the text of Scripture. This is what 2 Corinthians 4, 6 means. When God causes the light of the knowledge of the glory of God to shine in your hearts, giving you the revelation of God's glory in the face of Jesus Christ. That's a saving knowledge of God. Saving knowledge of God. Your life changed forever on that day. Forever on that day, you will never, ever not know who he is. Am I making some sense? And this is what Christ is dealing with here. So he is a present and eternal fact. He is not merely a show. I wish I had time. He possesses and bears all essential qualities of godness. And notice what this text says. Who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Y'all see that? A better way to translate this so I can deal with my second point in close for today is this. And this gives us insight into the character and nature of Christ. You got to get it. Now, I'm going to kind of do it on a more humanistic level. Now, what if you was God? (laughs) Stay with me for a moment. What if you were God and you had all of these glorious attributes? Immutability, omniscience. You knew everything. We couldn't stand you, right? You knew everything. You were everywhere present. You filled heaven and earth. You were the epitome of the perfections of glory. You were impeccable. There was no flaw in you. You were, watch this now, glorious in everything that you were. You know what I'm describing? God. 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 By nature, God is glorious. Is he not? I mean, absolutely, infinitesimally glorious. Just glorious upon glorious upon glorious when we contemplate him. Is that right? There's no space or idea or concept or category in which we can contemplate God where we cannot substitute the word what? Glorious. He's the God of glory. Now stay with me. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. The other word that is more pragmatic to help us understand what Christ is doing is the word reputation. Our first point underscores the fact that Christ bears the divine reputation. Are y'all following me? See, when you have a reputation, you have a glory. When people know you in a certain way, that's your glory. And sound-minded people know the glory of God. He's eternal. He's ever-present. He's impeccable. He's perfect. He's glorious. He's righteous. He's merciful. Right? These are the reputations of God. 
Well, time permits us to go no further. You have been listening to Way of Grace, the daily radio ministry of Grace Bible Church in Hayward, featuring our teacher and pastor, Pastor Jessica Stand. It is our prayer as we come to you daily on this broadcast that you're growing in grace, that you're growing in your love and adoration of Jesus Christ. That's the goal and the intent here at Way of Grace, that we might understand the amazing love of God in Christ. If you would like to obtain a copy of today's program, you've got a couple of ways you can do that. CDs are $5. Simply call or write to us and we'll send one to you. Or if you're internet savvy, simply stop by our website and you can download the audio file in MP3 version and that one's free. Grace-Bible.com is our website. That's Grace-Bible.com. And again, If you're willing to write to us or contact us by phone, if you would like the CD, simply do so at 510-886-9782. Again, that phone number is 510-886-9782. The address, if you're writing to us, is 22768 Main Street. That's here in Hayward. The zip code, 94541. And again, remember, the CD is $5 or simply stop by grace-bible.com and download the MP3 version for free. We would also invite you to join us for worship here at Grace Bible Church in Hayward. Sunday services are at 11 a.m., Sunday schools at 10 a.m. And don't forget, from a variety of churches and from all over the Bay Area, we have enjoyed a marvelous time of studying God's Word Friday evenings here at Grace Bible Church at 8 p.m. For the directions and the details, simply go to our website, grace-bible.com. That's grace-bible.com. Or call 510-886-9782. Also, as the Lord leads, we're able to come to you here on KFAX in part through your financial and prayerful involvement with this ministry. Now, while it's free for you to listen to, it does incur a cost on our end, and we look to the Lord for his gracious provision. And if you'd like to participate in that, then please do get a hold of us. Any donation, no matter how big or small, is greatly appreciated here at Way of Grace. 510-886-9782 is our phone number. Thank you for spending time with us today. Until next time, God bless. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.